You're listening to Heather Solves Everything, a show about discovering strengths and solving problems. So what are we waiting for? Let's get into it. Welcome back to another episode of Heather Solves Everything. This is the show where I take credit for solving your problems by introducing you to the people who actually can. My name is Heather, and my friends call me Healthy Heather because I'm a national board-certified health and wellness coach. That means that I work with people to help them live healthy, balanced lives. And I especially love to talk about mindset and achieving balance while doing big things things. And today we are all about the mindset. My guest is Adam Kay. He is the founder and principal of the Art District. For the past 20 years, Adam has been cultivating an area of our town in Tallahassee, Florida, that we now call the Art District. When he inherited this land at um, the age of 16 and has now um, created a a downtown district, or actually it's south of town district, of almost 200,000 square feet of space. Um, It is a microcosm of art and music and restaurants and philanthropic spaces and green spaces. And it's super, super cool. If you have an opportunity to look it up, I will be putting the link in the show notes so that you can check it out. And um, he's a super cool, creative guy, and I'm glad to have him here. But that's not actually why I've asked him to come. The reason why I've asked Adam to come today is because I've been watching the revitalization of this area over the past years that it's been happening, and it's been a lot of fun to see it happen. And I've also been curious about the creativity and the work ethic and the mindset that goes into something like that. And so I wanted to bring Adam here today to ask him questions about his brain. I want to find out how he works and how he seeks for and achieves balance in his work life and personal life. So welcome to the show, Adam. (laughs) Heather, thanks for the invite. Exciting to be here. Yay! Okay, so are you ready to solve everything? Let's do it. Let's solve everything. Let's get into it. So, Adam, as I mentioned, I've been in Tallahassee for a while. And while this show is not a Tallahassee show, uh, we are going to talk a little bit about Tallahassee today because it's a cool place that everybody should visit at least once. And in the time that I've lived here, I remember the area that you work in now, which we call Railroad Square, being a dusty kind of like co- collection of broken down buildings. It was an industrial park. It was an know. industrial park. And now it is a haven for art and music and restaurants and fun. And small businesses and all types of creative people. Yeah, it's changed a lot over the years. And that was definitely uh, a lot of hard work. Tell me about the vision that you have created for this space especially considering that you inherited this at 16 years old? Yeah, um, it's gone through, uh, I'm, the, I'm actually the third generation in my family, so it's gone through two previous generations, and it's uh, gone through re- you know, iterations since then. So it started off as an industrial park, and then over the years, my mother really brought the vision of the artsy vibe to it. A uh, bunch of big warehouses, vacant spaces. She brought in her hippie, artsy friends. She was a hippie herself, and they filled it up with creativity and art. And it kind of went from an industrial park to an art park. 
And then over the last 20 years since I inherited it, um, we've kind of been coming more, a little more commercial, you know, because obviously things change, the mm -hmm. times change, we're in a more litigious society. It's not all as, uh, you know, fancy free and uh, footloose, so to speak. Casual. Uh, yeah, so uh, we've definitely changed it over the years, but we still have large arts elements, creative elements, and uh, a lot of diversity. It's really a really awesome spot for sure. What drives you to do this type of work, to, to bring people together in collaboration, to create a place where people can be creative? You have artists who are working, you have businesses and nonprofit organizations that are operating. What drives you to do that? Yeah, I mean, um, beyond the old adage that, you know, the first generation makes the money, the second generation grows the money, and the third generation loses the money, <laughs> and the fear to not become a part of that adage as right. the third generation. You don't want to fulfill that prophecy. So, yeah, I'm just going to throw that out there right now. Like, I mean, fear drives me. That's a huge driving force, for sure. Beyond that, you know, creativity. Um, I am extremely fortunate to be able to be super creative in my career. Uh, I'm kind of an artist myself, but my medium is real estate. So that's, uh, you know, it wasn't necessarily something I was born with of loving this, but I have found um, found a path to, to loving it because I'm really good at it. So that's been exciting. When you said fear, it me immediately made me think of that Seinfeld episode, not Seinfeld, Friends episode, when somebody, one of the characters is trying to decide whether or not to quit their job but they don't have another job lined up. And, and the character of Chandler says, you've got to do it because until you have no safety net, you won't have the fear. And until you have the fear, you're not going to do anything. Yeah. I and mean, I've thought about that in so many junctions of starting my business and, and taking risks is I got to have the fear. 100%. <laughs> and, and you really, um, you dig deep when you have that. Um, I would say I did inherit it at a young age. I didn't really step up to the plate to do it right until maybe 30 years old. Uh, in that time between 16 and 30, you know, I bumbled around. I made some mistakes. I went through a lot of pain from those mistakes and I matured slowly. And I found that deep set fear because as a, um, you know, someone inheriting uh, established business, it wasn't really hard for me in the beginning. Yeah, sure, you had the emotional aspects of losing your mom at a young age and maturing through that process. And that was, it was naturally hard. But as far as uh, actual you know, survival instincts, I didn't really have that. So I had to kind of unfortunately put myself in a position that I felt that. And that's really where I, I, like I said, dug deep and matured and, and found a path to, to grow a business that is just doing fantastic right now. So yeah. What type of of events had to happen for you to have that maturity where you kind of turned the corner and decided, okay, I'm going to do something with this. Yeah. So 16 years old, I inherited it. Um, I was kind of on the sidelines trying to learn, not trying to make any mistakes. 19 years old, I had gotten my real estate license. I had kind of uh, interned under some developers, started dab you know, dabbling into real estate myself beyond my inheritance. I had the curse of doing phenomenally well in my first deal. Uh -oh. And then so I was 18 years old, 19 years old. Getting cocky? So cocky. <laughs> I bought myself a Porsche with my oh, money. Man. I was like, oh my God, I'm, I'm on cloud nine. Yeah. I'm un untouchable. Uh, and then the second deal, I went you know, deeper. And that was 
right before the recession, 100% financing the bank gave me on an adjustable rate loan mm-hmm. back in 2007. So that was rough. And uh, that stuck with me for a while. So I would say, you know, subsequent foreclosures, uh, went through a bankruptcy in my 20s. I mean, Heather, I got beat. It hurts. <laughs> and uh, I didn't have the maturity to like be like, all right, I can get through this. What's the next step? I was just like, oh, MG, this mm-hmm. is horrible. The whole world's crashing down on me, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. You know, when I look at entrepreneurs and mindset and the way that they use resilience, you know, throughout their careers, it is astounding how many stories there are that we don't hear about because nobody wants to talk about the times that it flopped. But the number of businesses that failed or the number of ideas that never got out, you know, got out of of a committee, you know, and the number of times that you really fall on your face before you strike the match and yeah. it, it takes off. Yeah, totally. And that needs to be normalized because, you know, uh, you're going to fail. You're going to fail lots of times. The key is to fail mildly, fail <laughs> softly, mm-hmm. fail in a way that doesn't put you out way for a decade of pain like I like it went through me. <laughs> but, um, you know, ultimately, it's that one success that can really scale like crazy, make it all worthwhile, which is, you know, fortunately what what happened to me, for sure. I think that's that's one great definition of resilience. You know, I, I teach a class in resilience, and sometimes I'll remind everybody that, you know, my resiliency motto is everything is not awesome, but I can deal. Right. And knowing that there are going to be times that really suck. There are going to be times that, you know, feel really dark. Yeah. And that's to expect that, that yeah. that's part of it. But I can deal. I have what it takes to be able to recover from that. And no matter what happens, I'll be able to pull the pieces back together, create something new, and like rise up from the ashes and see what the next challenge is. And that's part of the fun of entrepreneurship. The Phoenix story, yeah. rising from the ashes. Yeah. yeah, 100% to be greater and bigger and better and make a bigger impact. So yeah, 100%. That. Those, uh, those ashes really can, can mold you. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, this is going to be a really fun conversation. We're going to do a deep dive into how we discover the strengths that we have, our traits of resilience, so that we can rise up from the ashes. You're listening to Heather Solves Everything. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Thanks for listening. If you're enjoying today's show, come on over to Facebook and Instagram. That's where I post all of the extra stuff, and I'd love to connect with you there. Don't go anywhere. The conversation continues right now. Welcome back, everybody. This is Healthy Heather. You're listening to Heather Solves Everything. Today, the problem that we are solving is how to live in balance when you've got so many projects going on at the same time and you can't quit any of them because you created them. You're an entrepreneur. This is your business. This is what you've decided to do. You have 
been dreaming of the moment when you can go out on your own and pursue your own challenge and you're kind of take care of your baby. You know, like I know that sometimes my business feels like it's my baby and I, I am nurturing it and helping it to grow. And so many times those of us who choose to live that entrepreneur life, um, we learn balance the hard way because we have to get out of balance to learn how to live in balance. I don't know very many entrepreneurs who, for whom living in balance comes naturally. I think that we are intrinsically motivated to, to do a lot of things at the same time, to, um, to discover, you know, to be you know, really creative and to dabble in, in, in different things and take a lot of opportunities. And that's not conducive sometimes to balanced living. Yeah, I mean, there's that old expression, right? You have your your business, your family, and your health. Pick two. Right. Right. Um, <laughs> a lot of people believe that you can't have all three. And as an entrepreneur, it's been extremely hard for me to um, to maintain that. And I'm out of balance all the time. So anything I say, it's not to be like, oh, follow his uh, wise words, because it's a struggle for me every day, for sure. But, you know, um, I, I would say... The most important thing is it's a marathon and not a sprint, uh, especially when you start to achieve some success and it starts to feel like you're drinking out of a fire hose. It's really one of those things to know that, you know, burnout is a real thing. It will destroy all the momentum you've started and you got to avoid that. How do you know that you are heading towards burnout? Yeah, I mean you know, right? Like you feel it. The problem is, is being self-aware enough to let yourself acknowledge that. It's always that thing where, no, we're not lost on this car trip. Like, <laughs> you know, you're lost. Come on. Um, so I would just say, try and be super self-aware. Uh, there's, you know, I, I read a lot of books. There's a book that's about um, essentially mistakes were made, but not by me. Or <laughs> Or mistakes were made. Um, yeah, mistakes were made. That was the name of the book. And so the the idea is, sure, people can acknowledge that, oh, something went wrong, but they don't want to take personal responsibility for it. Um, that is something that will kill you mm -hmm. every time. So extreme accountability for the things that go wrong. And it's not like all of a sudden one day you burn out. You see the signs. You know, there is... Uh, there's little mistakes you make along the way. You start to get a little more irritable, lose your, uh, lose your temper. It gets to be harder and harder to wake up and get out of bed. You want to take a little bit more time here and there. Um, those things, being self-aware and cutting yourself off or making the changes you need to make to reestablish balance. Mm -hmm. Some of those telltale signs of burnout, um, you know, not having fun in your business anymore. Not having, and, this, and it don't have to be a business owner to experience this. You know, not having fun in your work anymore, not looking forward to being with your colleagues, um, finding yourself being easily irritable, always having a headache and not being able to shake it, not having energy, even though you've gotten a decent night's sleep. These are all signs that your body is sending up flares, that it, it cannot keep up the pace that you're working at. And eventually it's going to stop you in your yeah. tracks. It's, it, you're going to get sick. You're going to make some type of error that's going to cost a lot of money or make a lot of people angry. You know, something is going to come into play that is going to stop you in your tracks. And if, you, if you're able to be aware enough to see the signs, you can start to pull back and adjust so that you can change course. 
Yeah, I think that's a, a big flaw in our society today is that a lot of people, they just have this uncanny ability to just justify whatever is going on. It's not my fault. It's this or this is the reason that's happening. Like 90% of the time you can take personal accountability. You can point to something that you did to contribute to that issue, that problem, that circumstance. And uh, if you do that, acknowledge that, then you have the power to, you know, to change it yourself. You're not a victim of the circumstances. Exactly. It's such a powerful move to to step into ownership of of a situation, even if it's not your fault. Oh, yeah. You know, but coming in and taking ownership of, of finding the solution to it is you know, it's I just love that adage of um, it's amazing what can get done when you don't care who gets the credit. Right. It also is the same for the blame. Like I yeah. used to work in a team that was so afraid of of being blamed for a mistake. They were paralyzed. They couldn't make a decision. And finally, I said, I will take all the blame. Right. I will take all the blame. Whatever bad happens, it's my fault. I yeah. will take that so that you can just be free to be creative and do your work. And that can be really paralyzing. Yeah. The no, the worst decision is no decision. Right. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, it goes back to uh, what we said in the last segment of, you know, failure is a part of growth, 100%. So fail, but fail fast. And that includes all the little things that you do in your daily life. If something's not working for you, acknowledge it. Be aware of it. Um, read the signs uh, and try to change it before it gets to be real bad. That That thought of fail fast i think um oh gosh it's richard branson who who said that in something that i read and i liked the idea of failing fast and it made me think how many times would i allow a robber to come into my house and steal all of my stuff before i did something about it like one time right like i would not continue to let this happen but if we keep making the same mistakes over and over, or we keep delaying um, making a mistake because we're afraid of what could happen next. It's like letting that robber keep coming into the house and taking everything. Yeah, or like someone steals your wallet and you're like, oh, by the way, my address is in there and I'll be gone from like 8 to 10 p.m. tomorrow night. (laughs) Have at it. Right, exactly. So when you made the decision to shift into really owning, you know, this business, you likely had to create some structure around how you were working and how you were living. How did you, how do you determine what your priorities are and how do you protect your priorities? Yeah. So, um, I'm pretty, let's say alpha, not trying to be braggadocious on that one. It's just, uh, I go all in on something. So I had a tendency of, of being very unbalanced. So I had to compensate. I, I was never concerned of like, Oh, when I'm in work mode, how do I make sure I, I work hard enough? It was never like that. It was about how do I make sure I don't burn out? Mm-hmm. So I really you know, put my focus on the other part that I really needed to nourish, which was my health. And for me, um, exercise is the most effective thing of keeping my health in balance, my mental health, my physical health, all of the above. So it was just one of those things where you know, I just tried to fall in love with my body, how I feel, and you really bring that same passion that I have for growth in my business to, you know, my own body. So, you know, prioritizing that daily workout was very key for me. Uh, and all the times where I got the most, the closest to burnout in my life, that was always the, the easiest low hanging fruit of 
changing my life. Damn it, I'm out of balance again. I'm not having that structure of going to the gym or going on a jog. And, and that's the, the first thing that I, I try to fix when I feel like I'm going towards burnout. You are speaking my language. It was so often with the folks that I work with, when things start to pile up and life starts to get hectic, I ask them, you know, what, what, is the, what are the core elements that need to be protected here? Because right. before you can protect your boundaries or your priorities, you have to know what they are. Right. And your body, without your body, there's yeah. not much that's gonna happen. You know, yeah. if, you're, if your infrastructure, your personal infrastructure is crumbling, you're not gonna get much done during the day. And so I totally, I totally agree. Exercise and diet are key for me so that I can do my best work. Yeah, 100%. Um, it's really, it's a, you know, it's a drug addiction almost of those hormones, the endorphins that are going into you and uh, it helps you sleep at night. You know, if you're an entrepreneur, if you're any type of mover, shaker, got a lot of projects going on, I'm sure you've also laid there in bed at night like trying to tell your mind to turn off. <laughs> uh, and that's always been very challenging for me as well. So, you know, exercise has really helped that being exhausted at the end of the day. But like I said in the beginning uh, there, for me, I don't need to protect that priority of work because I'm just so driven on that angle. I need to protect the second priority. Uh, and that's the one I really need to spend the effort and focusing on, which for me is health. And um, obviously also relationships, family, friends, you know, if you're doing anything big and really busy, it's going to be hard to have a lot of different relationships. And that's kind of normal. But, you know, protecting the ones that uh, really mean a lot to you that are that support network, you know, it, it's key. Absolutely. Guys, we are going to dig even deeper into this when we come back from the break. We're going to talk about vision and how we create a vision that is worth working for. You're listening to Heather Solves Everything. This is Coach Healthy Heather. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey guys, it's Healthy Heather, and I'm so excited to announce that my book is ready for you to pre-order. It's called Happy Healthy You, Breaking the Rules for a Well-Balanced Life. I wrote this book because the healthy living to-do list is short and simple. Eat healthy, exercise, get some rest, and don't stress out. But knowing and doing are two different things. So help is here. We're going to explore how to understand your values and priorities, set boundaries, create a true vision for your life, and enjoy the benefits of healthy living right now. It's a 52-week guide, your path to finding a healthy lifestyle that suits your unique needs. Each entry includes a story with inspiration and advice, as well as a journaling prompt, weekly assignment, and reflection questions. I can't wait for you to read it. It'll be in stores May 2022, but you can pre-order it now wherever books are sold. Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to Heather Solves Everything. This is Coach Healthy Heather. I am here in the studio today with Adam Kay. He is the president of the Art District, a really funky, cool place 
in Tallahassee. And if you're not local to Tallahassee, then Google it because you're going to want to have a place like this in your community. It's a place for art and music and restaurants and fun. And I think I, okay, so you have curated over 25 murals and other public art projects. And as a real estate developer, uh, there's a big element of public art to that and, and yeah. being able to see that. And I love how so many brick walls in our community have turned into art installation. Yeah. And one of the most iconic murals is um, by a local artist, Kenny McGuire, and it's Alice in Wonderland yeah. with Alice and the Queen of Hearts as African-American women. That's right, yeah. Which is so much fun because that's, just kind of flipping so, so much of like what you would expect on its head and, and getting people to, to talk, which is exactly, you know, what, what an art installation should do. Yeah, that was a particularly popular mural for many reasons. Um, but yeah, it's been featured pretty much nationally now. That was by Kenny McGuire, a local, uh, recent local uh, artist here. And I just have the incredible pleasure to be able to take some credit for other people's fantasticness mm -hmm. <laughs> like Kenny's for instance but yeah I mean my passion and this glorious opportunity that I have is to create a space physical space that you know artists and creative people can collaborate can seek inspiration and can uh, you know move the public in whatever way they you know see fit so it's it's really an awesome thing we have going on. And a lot of communities have a place kind of like that. Everywhere I've traveled to and told them about what Road Square is, what the art district is, I usually get up, oh, yeah, we have something like that in our neighbor, in our city, or more commonly, oh, we had something like that. <laughs> right, yeah. And then it got completely developed. So, yeah, yeah. we're trying to do something really cool and, and, uh, and unique. And the reason why I asked Adam to be here today is because that type of cool and unique thing does not happen on its own. You know, we've talked earlier in, in the show about, you know, the generational aspect of your business and, and how, you know, your family has been part of this for a long time. Um, but also running an organization like this is not for, you know, just anybody. You know, it takes an entrepreneurial mindset. And that's what we've been talking about today. And so I'm curious to know from you, Adam, I know that when you first stepped into really managing the, the business, you said you had kind of the school of hard knocks, you know, of, of yeah. learning, you know, kind of the, the rise and fall and then, you know, trying to climb yourself back, yeah. back up to, to where you could work. What do you do to turn yourself around in times of disappointment or discouragement? Yeah, I mean, that's incredibly challenging. Um, Everyone should have a passion outside of work. Um, mine is traveling. I really love traveling. Strangely enough, it's also still kind of work because <laughs> <laughs> right. I go out and I seek inspiration in my own way. I get to go to other communities and see how they do cool, funky, unique, creative, and I get to bring ideas back. So for me, that's one of the ways that I've, I've definitely um, helped myself get out of a, a rut, so to speak. I, I try to always have another trip planned, uh, always have something to look forward to, even if it's something simple like, oh, I have a beach weekend coming up in, you know, three months or whatever. It's it's fantastic. It's something to look forward to. And it's, I like that it's built in balance. It's built in breaks. You know, if, if you're somebody who just works and works and works and works and works and doesn't 
look up until you know you're completely exhausted um, here's a tip guys plan in breaks that are already scheduled and maybe paid for i have a trip coming up that i've already paid for yeah. and so it's like i'm going yeah yeah <laughs> on those i actually don't do the refundable tickets i i force myself yeah I'm like, i gotta there's, go there's no way out of this exactly. i'm not gonna lose that money so a big part of entrepreneurship mindset is vision and I work on vision a lot with, with my clients. And many times it's creating a vision for health and creating a vision for life. And when you're creating a vision for business, you know, there's a balance there between working in the everyday operation, but then also being able to see where you're going. What types of techniques and strategies do you rely on for visioning so that you can decide where this is going? Yeah, I mean, 100% going back to something I said previously was be self-aware. You know, where are your strengths? Some people are just an incredible operator. They, you know, you typically find this on um, veterans, for instance. They can just plod along and get stuff done, and they're amazing at it. Um, some people are more visionary, like myself, and they're dreamers. I'm just a dreamer. I have creative ideas, and I really have to rely a lot on you know, some of my employees and some of my colleagues to help me actually take the steps forward. So first and foremost, you know, be aware of your strengths. Um, there's a really great book out there called Traction uh, by Gina Wickman. And it kind of lays out the difference between a visionary and an integrator, kind of like, a, you know, a visionary and an operator. And knowing which one you are and finding someone else to be that counterpart was a game changer for me, for sure. Um, the other book I really have leaned heavily on is a book called Who, Not How. That's by Dan Sullivan. And it's basically every time you have an issue, first thing you think of is, how am I getting this done? Instead, think of who can get this mm -hmm. done for me to free up your ability to do what you're natural at. I mean, um, me, I don't have a lot of mechanisms for my visioning. I just, I write down a bunch of notes. I'm a dreamer. I spend enough time. I, I, I forcibly put enough time into my schedule to just sit and look at a wall or just go for a walk. I mean, I'm sure some of my tenants think I'm absolutely crazy because I'll just be walking around and just like be staring at a wall for like 15 minutes <laughs> and just envisioning. Yeah. Uh, and that's, that's my process. Everyone has their own process, but for me, the most important has been to free up my daily operational time so that I can spend the, that time of doing nothing, mm -hmm. which is actually what creates all the value in the, in the grand scheme of things. A lot of times people will ask, what's the best what the way to do this? What's the best strategy for this? And a lot of times the answer is whatever works best for you. Like yeah. just play around with a few different things and see, you know, what feels like the best use of your time what what generated the most creative ideas when did you feel the most fulfilled you know if it's creating a vision board that you look at every day if it's writing down notes throughout the day if it's going for a you know a walk or you know going out on the water so that you can just kind of let ideas flow then just notice which of these ways that i'm spending my time is generating the best result and then yeah. just go with that yeah, 100%. I mean, um, written above the Oracle of Delphi, it says, know thyself. And that is an incredibly pertinent you know, data point for anybody trying to do big things. What is your advice for people who are 
um, thinking about following in footsteps like yours or, or doing something you know, creative on, in entrepreneurship? So there's, there's so many different things out there that people can say that are insubstantial or vague. Um, and my general you know, golden piece of advice that I send out to other people is something very actionable, actually. Um, communication is incredibly important. The ability to sound confident uh, when you're communicating to people, when you're pitching to people, when you're doing anything communication-related. Um, so the most success I found in being a better communicator has actually come from, drum roll, <laughs> uh, an improv class. Oh, actually. wow. So that's my, my golden piece of advice is, if you were to spend, like Adam, if I were to spend 10 hours doing something, what would be have the greatest ROI on my business and my success? It would be go to improv class because the simple ability for you to think a half a second before the words are coming out of your mouth are going to make you sound so much more convincing and so much more capable and you're going to be a much better leader. Wow, that is a, a great suggestion and a terrifying one. Yeah. Yeah. And isn't there a rule in improv that you can never say no? Like you have to always go with yes. I mean, there's different types of improv games that oh, are related okay. to that. Maybe that's a but, game. you know, you definitely are going to feel like an idiot. You're yeah. Feel <laughs> stupid. And that's really the most important thing is to be comfortable feeling uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and to practice those resilience habits of getting up and figuring out what you're going to do next. Great tip. Yeah. That's my little, you know, golden ticket there. I love it. Okay, guys. So if you're wondering how you can learn how to roll with the punches, sign up for an improv class and just know, yes, you're going to feel like an idiot and you're going to be better for it. And you're so. going to be more resilient, be able to take all the punches, whatever comes your way, you'll be better equipped to handle it. And you might end up being really good at it. And that can be like your side gig and you can get paid for it. Hey, why not? <laughs> guys, when we come back, I've got some more advice for you. I've got some ways that you can start living in your vision today, right now. Stay with us. You're listening to Heather Solves Everything and we'll be right back. Thanks for listening. If you're enjoying today's show, come on over to Facebook and Instagram. That's where I post all of the extra stuff. And I'd love to connect with you there. Don't go anywhere. The conversation continues right now. Welcome back, everybody. This is Coach Healthy Heather, and you're listening to Heather Solves Everything. We're talking about mindset. Got my friend Adam Kay here. He's an entrepreneur, the founder of the Art District. And we've been talking about how we create resilience as business owners and as high achievers, as go-getters. How we've been to the school of hard knocks and had to fall down in front of everyone and then get up and dust ourselves off and keep going. And in the last segment, Adam had a great suggestion for if you need a little bit of practice doing that, taking an improv class. I mean, what, <laughs> talk about on the job training of wow. getting up in front of a, bun a bunch of people and knowing that you have no idea what's coming. And, and that's, that's a great way 
to practice. Yeah, practice failing results. that way. Exactly. Get over that fear of failure. Right. Yeah. And maybe they'll applaud. You never know. You never know, guys. Well, living in vision is is something that I want to talk to you about now because we talk a lot about creating vision, you know, and, and thinking about what our vision is and you know, we know about the elements of a strong vision. We know about smart goals. We know we know about, you know, how we create the vision that we want to achieve. But then there's usually a gap between creating the vision and then actually getting to the vision. And in, in my work as a coach, I work on that gap and making it go away, essentially, you know, bringing where you are and where you want to be closer together until they are the same thing. And I've got a few ideas for ways that you can start to do that. So get comfortable. I'm about to get coachy on you. All right, guys, if you've been listening to this show for any amount of time, I hope that I have convinced you by now that you deserve to live the life of your dreams. And you are the only one who can determine what they are. And you can set the habits and routines in place to get there when you work on self-awareness and be willing to put in the, the hard work that it comes to actually do the big stuff that other people are afraid of. And you can enjoy the fruits of that labor every day, even if it's a long journey to what you might consider to be the ultimate goal. And I'm inviting you now to be bold, step into that vision, take that vision that you created for yourself and step into it and try it on. Get into that life and look around so that you can figure out how far away, how big that gap is, the gap between where you are today and where you want to be. And sometimes I think about that as like if you've ever been in a subway and you've got like the um, the platform on either side of the tracks and you've got the track for the subway that goes in between. I think about that gap and having to like jump across it and how you can bring those two platforms together so you don't have to jump. You can just step right on in. I want to tell you a story about a client that I had who wanted to figure out how to step into her vision. Her name was Erica, and she had a long-term goal of working full-time as a freelance writer. She had been doing side jobs and assignments here and there, but she really wanted to make the transition from working like a day job with some freelance gigs to having freelance work be her day job. And so we went through the steps of figuring out where she was starting, creating the vision, establishing the habits, creating the action steps that would pave the way from leaving her office to creating this work from home freelance lifestyle that she wanted. But she was a little bit stuck and feeling like her goal was going to take so long to get there that she was discouraged. So I encouraged her to just press pause on life for a minute and step into her vision just for one day, just for fun. And what that meant was take the day off and pretty much pretend like you're living in your future. 
And the reason why I wanted her to do this is because I wanted her to get really excited. I wanted her to have a day in her future life that was palpable, one that she had actually experienced, like a vacation. And in hopes that that energy that she felt from actually doing the things that she had dreamed of for so long would inspire her and kind of be like her happy place that she could go back to when the drudgery of work you know, was starting to wear her down. And so she did it. After everybody, she took the day off of work, and after everybody left for school, her make-believe day began. And she created what she imagined her structure, her schedule would be for that day. So she went into her home office. She entered emails. She worked on some writing assignments. She did some research for future articles. She called interview subjects, and she uh, went for a walk around her neighborhood. She realized that since she was no longer tied to the office time frame, that she could do whatever she wanted to when she wanted to. And so she went to a yoga class in the middle of the day because that was part of the vision she had created for herself. She ate her lunch, she wrapped up some lingering projects, and she generally did all the things that she imagined she would do when she was a full-time freelance writer. Now, of course, she had to step back into her regular life the next day, but she did it as a changed person. She had spent time in her vision, and she tried it on to see how it fit, and she decided that it fit just right, and she could not wait to get back to it. And I'm happy to say that I have just read her manuscript for her first book, and it is phenomenal. So you might be wondering, how can I do this? It doesn't have to be as big as taking a day off of work and pretending that you're living a different life. Just show up. Go to where your vision is taking place. Hang out with the people who are doing the things that you want to do. If you've got a goal to run a 5K race, but you're not there yet, volunteer to pass out the medals at the end. Volunteer to pass out the water. Surround yourself with people who are already there the more you show up, the easier it'll be to fit in. Fake it till you make it. Go in there and get the gear. Start doing the thing. Take the improv class and pretend like you're doing it. I notice three things in my clients that are successful at living in and achieving their vision. And I call them the three D's that make a difference. This is, this is my best work here, guys. The three D's that make a difference. Deserving determination, and discipline. People who reach their goals feel like they deserve it. And I don't mean that in a selfish way. I mean that in a self-care way, meaning there are two elements, feeling like you deserve the outcome and also feeling like you deserve what it takes to get there. So if you have a goal of protecting your health, you deserve a healthy body and you deserve an hour a day to, to work on that. That's not something that you have to earn. Now, it might be difficult to find the time to do it, but you deserve to have it. They're determined. The second D is determined. They know it's going to take work, but they are not afraid to show up. And they make a way. They find a way and they do it. It's not always easy, but they're determined to do it. And they're disciplined. They have created a structure that they adhere to. They think ahead. They plan for the worst. They expect the best, and they are disciplined every day and show up. Now, goals take a lot of hard work to achieve, and that's a good thing because the things worth having are worth working hard to get. 
the satisfaction that you get every single day from doing something towards living in your vision is going to last you forever. It might take a while for your vision to be 24-7, but you could start with 24 minutes, seven days a week. Bring it in and live it today. Guys, we did it. We solved another problem with a little help from our friends. Adam, thank you for being here today. It was a lot of fun, and thank you for the invite. Absolutely. Now, guys, you can stay in touch with me and the show on Instagram. Just look for Heather Solves Everything. And if you've got a problem to solve, just go to heathersolveseverything.com and click on Solve My Problems or shoot me a DM on Instagram and I will get right back with you. Guys, thanks for listening. I hope that something great happens for you today. I'm Healthy Heather and I'm always here to help you solve everything. To connect with Heather and find out more about today's show, just look for Heather Solves Everything on Facebook and Instagram. With a little help from your friends, you can solve everything too.